today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For this day, for this time, for this body, Lord, I looked around during the greeting time, just everybody's loving on each other. That's, that's family. That's good, Lord, and that's, and that's you. I, I was, yesterday I was talking at the, at the men's breakfast, Lord, about your, I mean, I wasn't speaking, I was talking with somebody, Lord, just about how your metaphors are timeless. And that you don't use the words family, and you don't use the word bride, and husband, and father, and son, flippantly. That they were just as true when you first said them, when they were first written in this word, as they are today. Thank you that you're our father, that we're your kids, we're your grateful kids this morning. And we look to you right now, Holy Spirit, and we ask you to transform us. Let us, be, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. May our minds be shaped to be more like the mind of Christ this morning. Because if I don't leave change, then I just wasted time. Amen. No pressure, God. No, he can take it. He can take it. Keep your hands up if he needs the notes. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Brooke. You guys are all, thank you, Lane. All right. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about, uh, we're in a, a, a series uh, here for a little while uh, called the Practical Series. It's very practical. We're practically right in the middle of it. And, uh, and there's some really good messages that Pastor Glenn's lined out for, uh, for a bunch of people to preach. And uh, we've been going through, and, and Suzanne just finished uh, three, three weeks um, on, on practical prayer, all right, and specifically praying through the Lord's Prayer. And what I'm going to talk about this morning is Practical evangelism. That's going to be awesome. And the, the subtitle uh, of this message is, Are Your Feet Beautiful? Yeah. So we'll see. Please leave your shoes on. <laughs> I think it's really important. Uh, I think it's really important. Definitions are so important. Especially in today's culture, and definitions are actually at, at the root of what's being attacked in, uh, in, in politics and in, in religion and uh, even within the, within the church. Um, definitions are being questioned, uh, and they're being labeled as subjective or relative. Or what's your truth? Well, yeah, you can have a truth, and I'll have my truth. That's not truth. That, that, it's, it's, like, it's the worst. I, I can't stand it. And so definitions are, are, are critical to everything that we do. What, the question, I, even Pastor Glenn, I hear him ask it all the time. Yeah, he asks me, and it keeps me in check, and I hear him ask people all the time. He goes, what do you mean by that? Because he knows we know that when one person comes to you and goes, hey, I believe in Jesus, and another person says, hey, I believe in Jesus, well, Paul told us there's a false Jesus, so what Jesus are we talking about? We've got to get down to brass tacks, and definitions are important. The definition of evangelism, now I'm going to tell you this, the definition of evangelism that we are going to work with here today is one, is one that I think is, is, can cover all the bases. You could go into a lot more specifics about what the definition of the word evangelism is, but this is, a, this is like as, as simple, and I did a lot of studies. So I did, I did dictionary, I did where did the word come from, and the, you know, where, where, where did it come from in the New Testament, and, all, and so this is, this is the basis of what we got here. It's in your notes. Simply, it's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. You might even say, to get more specific, it's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone who needs the good news of Jesus Christ, someone who is what we would say is lost, unsaved, Right? or I call them pre-believers, right? You see that? They're pre-believers, right? If God desires that no one perishes, I want to desire that no one perishes. They're pre-believers, okay? All right. Definitions are crucial. 
One, one of the things that I think, and I'm not going to camp out on this, but I just think it's also important to, to talk about what evangelism is not. Um, because a lot of the times, a lot of the time, evangelism is a tough thing in the church. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, um, but the church as a whole, you know, is just notoriously in the last 50 years, 40 at least, not great at evangelism. It's like not the greatest strong point. Now there's, I'm going to say that, now I'm going to flip it and go, there's also some of the greatest evangelistic stories and some of the greatest evangelists who have ever lived have come in the last 40 or 50 years. So, so there's, you have both, okay? But we're in a post-Christian society now. You can write that down if you didn't know that. Uh, and so it's, it's becoming more difficult. Nonetheless, our call, our God, our Jesus, that never changed. And it won't change until Jesus comes back, Okay? All right. So when we minister to people, when we're loving on people, when we're living our lives as Christians, uh, we might do some things that we're tempted to just go in our mind and put it in the this was evangelism box. Now, the reason I'm going to say that these things are not evangelism is, be, is not to diminish the quality or the purpose of doing these things. These are all great things that I hope you all do and I encourage you all to do, but it's not evangelism. So the reason, it's, the reason it's important to differentiate between what I'm about to tell you and this definition of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ most often with your mouth, uh, the, the, reason it's, the reason it's important to draw the difference is actually to bring importance to evangelism, not to diminish anything else. Does that make sense? Okay, so in Paul in the New Testament, when he's talking, we're not going to go into this too much, but a lot of his conversation about women in ministry wasn't... It wasn't that men and women in Ephesus were on this equal playing field and Paul came in and drove women down here. What was happening in Ephesus is that women were being worshipped, exalted, and men were sitting back on the couch going, well, I guess you guys can do everything and lead everything. And they were worshipping goddesses, Diana, because life comes through the woman. And Paul came in and went, whoa, 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 come on back down here. Right? So he didn't, he wasn't actually, he wasn't actually diminishing the role. He was trying to bring things where they're supposed to be. And that's what I'm trying to do with evangelism. If, if evangelism, which I believe is maybe down here with all these other good works and Christian living, I'm trying to bring it up here, not lower these things. Good? Ob okay, object lesson completed. All right, these are my best objects. Uh, so so doing, things, doing things like praying, praying for your meal when people can see you, handing out water bottles, helping someone load up their groceries, picking up trash in a parking lot, uh, um, going, smiling at someone in the grocery store, uh, giving someone a gift, giving a homeless person money. I hope you all do these things. I do these things. That's how I got the list. I was like, well, let's just start. You know, and I encourage you guys to do this thing. But they, in and of themselves, are not evangelism. They are part of evangelism. And what I'm going to call later precursors to evangelism and absolutely part of living the Christian life, no doubt, but they're not evangelism, okay? Check. This is in your notes also, I believe, and the question is, whose privilege, I chose that word very carefully, whose privilege is it to evangelize? And it's every follower of Jesus. Raise your hand in your, if you are a follower of Jesus in this room. So good. We all have the privilege to evangelize. But Nate, what, why do they say Why do they say in Scripture they label some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, some apostles, some prophets? Because some have been given a gift of evangelism and a call to actually operate functionally in that role in the fivefold ministry. 
just as some have been given to be apostles, and some have been given to be prophets, and some have been given to teach, and some have been given to be pastors. It's, just, it's part of this fivefold ministry that it doesn't take away from that at all. But if we say, well, evangelizing is for the evangelist only, and we basically just, just went, Jesus, everything that you said, your life that you led, your example that you showed us, and the things you taught us, and the things that you, the people you taught taught us, your disciples, that's all done. We don't believe that anymore. Because the New Testament, if we read the New Testament and we come out saying, well, it's not really my job to share my faith. We just read it wrong, <laughs> you know, or didn't actually read it. All right. Um, there's so many verses. I was like, I was like, you know, I, I always just scripture, scripture, scripture when I'm studying. And there's, I have this list of verses. It's like 30 verses. And I'm like, which ones do I pick? And then I was like, well, I want to do all of them, but I can't cut one out and pick the other. Like, I couldn't decide about the, just the calls and the examples of sharing your faith and, all, and where do we get the word evangelize from. And I was like, wait a minute. I remembered this thing that, that, that Randy Clark actually taught years and years and years ago. And it, it's, it's in your notes, and I love it. And I actually use it for, for several different uh, teaching points, but it works really well for evangelism too. And that is when I read the Bible and I walk away, and I, we don't have to look any further than the life of Jesus to answer the question of, well, is it really my job to share my faith? Is it really my job? You know, I ask these questions. What did Jesus spend his time doing? And it was preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, among several other things. But those were, that's what his ministry was about. What did he teach his disciples to spend their time doing? Same things. What did they actually spend their time doing? Same things. And so based on all that information, what am I supposed to spend my time doing? <laughs> and I went... Oh, if Jesus is the original measuring stick, even if we go one step below to the disciple, not like, I mean, one, one, one removed and go to his disciples and say, what did they spend their time doing? Well, the same thing. What did they teach people to do? Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, go and make disciples of every nation, which is an evangelistic verse, all right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and what? Teaching them to observe all life commanded. So take everything you learned, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and as you're going and making disciples, teach people that, and then teach people to teach people that, and then have them teach people to teach people that. And it ends up with us, right? We, through the ages, we ended up, we're, we're, we're far removed, but disciples of the original disciples. Did you know that? And, and of Jesus, and currently of Jesus. This is this amazing thing. So anyways, we look no further than the life of Jesus. Guys, I want to, I'm going to get to just giving you some real practical steps on how to do this. But first, just, I, I just need to share my heart with you just briefly that I, I want us to evangelize. And God wants us to evangelize because that's how we love people, right? Okay? Listen, God does command us to do it. It, it is a command in several places. One of them I just quoted to you, Matthew 28, 19. That's one of the places. But I believe that because the greatest commandment, Michelle, can you put this up here, Matthew 22, 37 through 40? Because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then the second greatest commandment is what? To love your neighbor. I believe that because that's the first and greatest commandment and the second one is to love your neighbor, that he actually wants us and I actually want us to evangelize out of love rather than obedience. Now, when we evangelize out of love, we're being obedient. But when we evangelize out of obedience without love, 
read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and see what Paul says about when you do stuff without loving. Pointless. I'm a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. My little kids have a little tiny drum set that a very sweet lady bought them. And, and, and Zeb's actually good. I'm teaching him, you know, I'm teaching him bass on the one, snare on the three, and I'm teaching him, but he's seven, and then Zeke's one. And so I know what a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal sound like. <laughs> I seriously, like, I, you know when you go home from work, and you're like, oh, finally, I'm in de-stress. I open my door sometimes, and it's like, and I just open it, and I just close it. I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> I'm going to go turn the tile saw on again because that screaming is, you know. No. Anyways, but it's, it's this picture of when, our, when we do things outside of a place of love. Okay, so when I'm, now evangelism has often been talked about through the years. I mean, the, the just kind of what I grew up in is that it's a task or a mission, right? We're going to put together a night where we're going to go evangelize. Nothing wrong with that. Go do it. Problem is, if that's your only paradigm for evangelism, mission is temporal, right? There'll be an end to every mission. But worship is eternal. There's worship going on right now in heaven. There'll be worship going on forever. Worship doesn't end. So if we're actually moving towards evangelism, moving towards sharing our faith as an act of worship with a motivation of love, then it's not a task that's going to burn me out. Mission, it's possible to get burnt out when you're on mission, especially when you're on the mission of evangelism and not seeing the results that you expect to see. See Rachel Dorth's sermon on expecting the right thing. <laughs> so, so you understand what I'm saying is that, is that actually this, we, so most of us, I would say, I would say most of us, just, just honestly and I think pretty safely, most of us have a paradigm about evangelism that is, is just, jaded like it's or it's 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 like well i haven't had success with it so it must not be for me or oh i uh, you know i see it done so inappropriately with the with the <laughs> believe in jesus 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 like jesus never evangelized like that believe in me like no he would it, can you it didn't work it didn't work i mean it's it just it just wasn't that's it, just not the correct method you know but i and but the, the funny thing is is that a lot of what those people are saying it's just straight up truth. This has got the wrong motive. They're out there checking. I'm not judging motives. I'm saying that it's possible that the motive is to check a religious box of look what I spent four hours on a Saturday doing. When if I'm moving as an act of worship and out of love, then I can be worshiping the Lord with my life and I can walk into HEB and I can see someone in the Holy Spirit can say, Low-hanging fruit. Just ask them if they're ready to say yes. Hey, my name's Nate. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? <laughs> but it doesn't always happen that way. I'm just saying. When we, when we move in motivation like that, we scare less people away. All right. Um, the realization... The last thing I'm going to share from my heart before we go into the practical stuff is this. Our culture has really numbed us, numbed our mind, numbed our emotions, 
through many different aspects. I'm not going to get into that, but um, but we, we've actually been numbed to a point where the the reality that there are people around us every day that are on their way to hell, that reality doesn't phase us as much as it should. That reality is what was one of the biggest things that moved Jesus. The New Testament says several times, and moved by compassion, Jesus healed. Jesus delivered. Jesus he ministered because he was, he was just so compassionate. It wasn't because he was like, God sent me here to get a job done, so I'm going to do it. God did send him here to get a job done, and he did do it, but his motivation was love and compassion. You see, there's, there's, there's humans. Some of them are related to you. Some of them live in your home. Some of them are your neighbors, your coworkers. I mean, people that you see on the street that are actively on their way to eternal suffering, damnation, fire, separation from Jesus. There's no second, there's no second chance after they die. And I, that's, that's just, that hurts. And I want it to hurt more. It doesn't hurt enough. I'm telling you, it does not hurt us enough. Because if it really hurt us, to the, now I'm not trying to make too big of a point what I'm about to say, but if it really hurt us, we probably just would get up right now and leave and go tell the people that we know that are lost about Jesus. I mean, because it's like, there is no time. We don't have time to mess around. I've actually told people that before when I'm, when I'm ministering to them. I, I, I play the long game with, with some and, I, and the short game with others, right? So you, it's, a lot of times it's really tempting to play the long game. What I mean by that is to just slowly minister to family members because you got to live with them, you know? But you know what? A couple years ago, I was like, forget that my uncle, you guys, have, some of you have heard this story. My uncle was sick. He had cancer, just a brain, lung, everywhere, and didn't have much time left. Not a believer. And I've been playing the long game with him for years. And my, my relative's been playing the long game with him for years. And my grandma, before she died, ministered to him for years and, and nothing. And I was like, why are we playing the long game? Dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. Like, I was like, I, I care more, because check it out, my uncle's name's Elliot. I'm like, if my uncle Elliot hates me here on earth for a minute, but like rejoices in heaven with me later, we need to stop fearing man so much, right? Stop worrying so much about what people are going to think about us. Well, what if I say something wrong? You're probably going to say something wrong. You will. Let me just say that right now. You don't have all the answers. You don't know what to say. God knows what to say. Stop trying to rely on yourself. I love watching my wife minister because she, she loves people so much that she doesn't let her fear of talking in front of people or say, right on time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't let her fear stop her. She actually uses it as this motivation where she walks up because she, she and she's like, I, I'm, she, I'm going to go minister. Oh, what are you going to say? I don't know. And she doesn't know until she gets there. I love that because it encourages me. I'm like, geez, I, I, I feel like I know a lot. You know what I mean? And I can let that help motivate me to go talk to somebody because I know that I'm going to be able to answer a lot of their questions. That's not love. Anyway, so I, I just told Kaylee, I said, I got to go tell Ellie about Jesus in person. He lives in Vegas. So I book a flight. I'm going to be there for one day. <laughs> Flying in at night talking to him the next day, flying out later. 
And uh, anyway, so I'm going, and I'm, and I'm just so, I have no idea what I'm going to say to him. I just know that I love him too much to not tell him the truth. And I also I know that it's not my responsibility to save him. The Bible says that we win souls. God saves souls. So I, there's no pressure. I just, there was no pressure on me whatsoever. I was just excited to go. I was nervous for if, what if he doesn't say yes? Like I was grieving, you know, just like, oh, I need him to say yes to Jesus. Right, you all know, because you all follow Jesus. You're like, we need people to say yes to Jesus. And so I go, and I'm sleeping. I'm trying to sleep in this hotel or whatever. And I'm like, Lord, what am I going to say to him? Lord, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to say to him? And the Lord wakes me up. And uh, I actually didn't wake me up. It was kind of like a dream, kind of like his half awake, half asleep, you know, dream or whatever that I have, where I see my Uncle Elliot crying out to the Lord in his bed by himself. Like from the years of, I mean, he's heard the gospel. It's not new to him. From the years of people praying for him, sharing Jesus with him, encouraging him. And, and then he just on his own just cried out to the Lord. And I woke up and the Lord's like, I already saved him. No, but I'm here. I'm supposed to have that notch on my belt, you know? No, I'm like, and, and, uh, and so anyways, we, we just, it was cool because, ah, I'm not going to try, I just try to tell you without crying, but I ended up spending the, just the greatest time with him and, and one of my cousins on that day. She had this amazing time, and I fly back, and I was just like, Lord, why did I need to go? Why are you, you could have told me that the day before I left. I could have got my money back. You know, and, uh, and he's like, it was a gift. He died, like, shortly after that. So anyways, I got to do his funeral. Bunch of people that don't know Jesus, right? And I'm like, guess what? And I shared the gospel at his funeral. And his, his best friend, who is the most, <laughs> I love him, I genuinely love him because I know that he's a big softie on the inside, but he's one of the most vulgar humans I've ever met. <laughs> and, I, and I've met, and I've met a lot. <laughs> so, and, uh, and, and I was just, I mean, there are people warning me, like, if he gets up and interrupts the service, like, you're just going to have to, and I was like, I got it. And so I, I share the gospel, and he comes up to me later, and he's like, and what's funny is he's married to this spirit-filled woman. It's just, it's so funny. But he's this hardcore atheist. And he comes up to me and he's like, I may not believe in everything that you said, at least not right now, but I've never heard it said like you said it before. You said it really well. And I was just like, well, man, that's what I said. Praise the Lord. Because if you just lean into him, I don't remember what I said. And, uh, and I, I was just like, whoa, Elliot's testimony is already changing lives. So we have to be open to not playing the long game and just going for it. Just go for it. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's this amazing truth out of Romans 10. That this is, this is God's heart, that we bring good news with our mouth to a lost and dying world. Because it, all of you are here because somebody shared good news with you. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a pastor, maybe, I mean, Sunday school teacher, random stranger. Mine was a Sunday school teacher. I mean, my parents too, but I remember my Sunday school teacher led me to Jesus. And I was just like, I'm so thankful 
But we can't let it stop with us. It's got to flow through us. My prayer today is that we all get a revelation of God's love for the lost. That translates truly into, and it manifests uh, um, by us telling them about Jesus. That it doesn't stop. We don't bought like truth, 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 cap right here before it comes out. So even when we pray for people in public, which we should, and I hope you do, uh, minister to people in prayer, with, uh, praying for healing or words of knowledge or prophetic words, whatever it is. I know many of you do different things. You just follow the Holy Spirit. If we don't tell them about the person we're praying to, we really don't. Now, I'm not saying you know, if, if the Holy Spirit has you go pray for somebody and not tell them the gospel, if that's what Holy Spirit's leading you to do, you follow the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. If the Holy Spirit says, I just want you to go tell them this word, that's what you do, then you do it. It's not a religious duty like, well, if I tell them a word, I have to tell them the 32nd gospel also. I have to give them a WWJD bracelet. You know, that, no, those are good things, but we follow the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you that if, if just in your daily life, if you're like, oh, I'm going to pray for somebody, you pray for them, and, and they don't know who you're praying to, and you, don't, and you don't tell them, then it's only half the work. Because in the New Testament, whenever the message went out, it was accompanied by miracles. Whenever the miracles went out, it was accompanied by the message. See, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when, when fire falls and everybody's you know, speaking in tongues and there's prophecy and there's all these things going on, if that just happens without Peter's message that follows it, then the accusations of drunkenness stand. These guys are drunk. It's nine in the morning and they're drunk. They're just fools. We don't have to listen to anything they're saying. We, don't have to, we just ignore it because they're drunks. But Peter gets up and goes, no, 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 no. these guys are not drunk as you, as you, see, as you think. And then he explains it. Every time that there's, every time that there's a, a, a miracle, it's met with even Jesus. Every time there was a work, there was a direction to truth. Now, sell all your things and follow me. Give it, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Even when he called his disciples, it was, it was yeah, maybe, maybe you're struck with who I am and you're drawn to me. But there's going to be an action step on your part to move towards truth. There's always a direction to truth. I hope that was clear. Please don't stop praying for people in public. That's, that's not what I'm, that wasn't what I was saying. I was saying that if we're, if we're doing that and thinking that that alone is evangelism, evangelism is sharing the message of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, you are, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus when you do that, and you should do it. All right, follow the Holy Spirit. All right, three simple ways to success, or three simple steps to successful and practical evangelism that we can all use. Step one is pray. You might be like, check, duh, I got it. But that really, the answer in this context, pray, why? Why do we pray? So we can know God's heart, hear his voice, hear what he's saying, and see what he's seeing. I pray in the context of evangelism so that God will break my heart for what breaks his heart. Because if I'm not moved for what moves him, I won't move. Does that make sense? If I'm if if I'm not if I don't care that my neighbor is dying, spirit. If I don't care he's going to hell, I'm not going to do anything about it. That's just the way it is. There's a magician. His name is what's his name? Uh, Pen Gillette, right? Pen and Teller. You guys know who this is. He's a hardcore atheist, very outspoken. But he said something that is very true because he he's he's all for prophetizing atheism. Right, And he said, he goes, if you believe that you have life-saving truth and you don't tell somebody about it, how much do you have to hate that person? Now, that, that wasn't a quote by a Christian, I'm telling you. But it's kind of true. So, 
this is, this is striking for me. I'm not trying to swing a rod. If, if, if anybody's feeling like there's a rod being swung, it's because I hit myself in the head with it first and you're just getting the bounce back. Okay? Trust me. When we become more like Jesus through, through prayer, through knowing his heart, through intimacy, we have more success in being the people that he's called us to be and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So it starts with this connection with Jesus, this personal connection with him. All right? can also pray that God prepares the hearts of those who are going to come in contact with. Prepare the Holy Spirit, go out and plow the field, and I'll come and just pluck up all the, all the harvest, right? It's so good. We pray for that all the time. Uh, well, I'll, I'll share more about prayer in a minute. Number two, love. Why? Write this down. Because he first loved me. Write that down if you're taking notes. Because he first loved me. Without love, evangelism isn't much. It's kind of just like talking. Uh, he who has been forgiven much loves much. You and I have been forgiven a lot. May we not forget that. God so loved the world, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But that was, that was because of love. Because he loved, he gave, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I always say, God gave you his son, now go give his son away. We sing, break my heart for what breaks yours. Oh, God's heart is broken when people are living in separation from him. I want my heart to break for the same things. Number three, it's do. So it's not eat, pray, love, or it's not eat, pray, love, right? It's pray, love, do. Um, pray, love, do. Why? Because love is an action. If you didn't know that, Clint Black sung all about it like 25, 30 years ago, right? Love isn't something, love isn't someplace that you fall, it's something that you do. Um, probably a lot of people had that song played at their wedding, but it's true. Love is in action. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love is shown and demonstrated or proved, if you will, by our action. So, under this uh, number three, do, here's where the practical stuff is really going to come in, right? You pray, you know God's heart, you love, and you do. Love turns into an action when you do. But there's three different parts to the how uh, when we're talking about doing. There's three different parts. The first one I'm gonna, is what I'm going to call precursors, okay? This is lifestyle, all right? These are things that are leading to number two and number three, or part two and part three. This is be friendly to people, <laughs> okay? You're like, why do you have to say that? Because, I don't know, people aren't friendly. I'm just saying. I think you guys are friendly. I'm, I'm just saying, but, but if you're like, no one ever wants to hear me speak about Jesus, and I'm like, that's because you have a sign on your forehead that says, I hate you, and I'm mad, and I'm having a bad day, and don't talk to me. And because when, and I, I never have spontaneous conversations with people don't walk through the store like this. Don't sit in the doctor's office like this. I'm not going to break my phone as an object lesson because it was expensive. <laughs> but just imagine me throwing my phone. Okay, that's what I just did. Get your, get your head up and make eye contact with people. 
Ask, ask questions. That's a great, this is a great way. This is like public speaking. I never took any public speaking courses. It wasn't until about seven years ago that I realized that not everybody can speak comfortably in front of people. <laughs> I understand it's a gift. I get that. But I also know that one of the greatest ways to start conversations or carry on or slow, you could probably say, this is sales training almost too. Ask questions. You ask a question and then be quiet. Right, Todd? First person to talk loses. Yeah. Person who speaks first loses. That's, but the gospel's not for sale. But you befriend, you ask questions, you invite, minister in prayer and compassion. This is where a priest cursor comes in and just loving people. I'm, a pray, I'm praying for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. Make friends. If all of your friends, excuse me, if all of your friends are Christians, that's bad. Unless you can't keep up. Like, you keep leading so many people to the Lord <laughs> that, like, all your friends are Christians, and you're just like, oh, I need to find some lost people, right? And every, every time you find a lost person, you lead them to Jesus, and you're like, dang it, I need another lost friend, you know? But if all your friends are Christians, you're not, that's not, that's not what Jesus did. If you wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do, and you hang out with only Christians, you're not doing what Jesus did. Because he hung out with, with like a few Christians, and the rest of the people were demon-possessed, prostitutes, tax collectors, outcasts in society, Gentiles, people that he wasn't legally supposed to be, not, you know, in that religious law, supposed to be even talking with. He'd go sit next to a Gentile woman and be like, sup? And she's like, why are you talking to me? And he's like, I'm the son of man. And, she's like, and he's like, he goes, where's your husband? Well, I, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had seven. And the person you're living with now is not your husband. <gasps> Come and see a man who just told me everything. I, right? I mean, that, it, sorry. Sometimes we do that. But that's who he, that's who he hung out with. You've got to find lost people and make friends with them if you ever want to have any place or rela relational equity to speak into their life. They've got to love you. You'll never lead anyone to Jesus if you don't love on and talk with people who don't know Jesus. Just like you'll never, you'll never heal the sick if you, don't, if you don't try to heal the sick. It just won't happen. You never cast out a demon if you don't do deliverance. Uh, step two. This is just evan this is evan this is the sharing your faith part, okay? There's three main ways to do it. I'm just brush on them real quick. Power evangelism, right? Power evangelism is the, is the sign, the wonder, the miracle mixed with the message. Rachel, hey, I, I just heard from the Lord. Does, does your knee hurt right now? Yeah, Nate, my knee hurts. I think God wants to heal that. Heal in the name of Jesus. Oh my gosh, it feels better. That was Jesus. Do you want to believe in the man that just healed you? Yes, I do. I want to give my life to you. I want to get, and I want to tithe a tenth of my income. I'm like, yeah, that's what, kind of, I mean, that's what happens when you, and uh, and so uh, that's power evangelism. Then you, have, then you have presentation evangelism. Presentation evangelism is for, the, is for the people like my brother who need to sit down and talk. Hey, here's the 30-second gospel. Here's the five-minute gospel. Here's the 30-minute gospel. Let's, let's look at some scriptures. Let's ask some questions. Let's, let's do this. Let's talk about it. And then at the end, sharing the gospel and saying, do you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. The Bible says you believe confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Welcome to the family. Where's the water? Let's get you baptized. Right? Yeah. Right? And then there's presence evangelism, which we don't have much to do with, right, is besides prayer. Presence evangelism is, is Jesus appeared to me 
in my dreams and shared the gospel with me himself, and now I believe in Jesus. Okay, that's not the recipe, right? <laughs> you know, like, I'm a presence evangelist. I just, no. I'm just saying, you can invite the presence and pray for that and agree with that and intercede for that, and we should, and we hear testimonies of that happening, especially in the Middle East where it's hard to get people in there. Jesus is like, I got it. I got it. I'll just inv- I'm just going to incept them in their dreams and tell them the gospel. That's real good. All right. You share the gospel, and part three is crucial. Part three is the action step in evangelism. Part three is ask them if they're ready to say yes to Jesus. It's, we, we get so... Darby, good job. Where'd she go? Oh, good job. Because you, you, she shared in home group that she went, I don't even know how to do this, but I know that she needs to say yes to Jesus. So she asked her, do you want to say yes to Jesus? Do you want to in, invite Jesus into your heart today? Do you want to confess that Jesus is Lord? Yeah, I do. A lot of times they don't know what to do because we don't help. That's, that's leading them to the Lord, is directing them that the Bible, well, the Bible says that it's confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God's raised from the dead. It also talks about repenting, right? It means we turn from the things that we were doing and we go down the new path of the right things to do. And then it says, and, and that's salvation. Then the next steps are a baptism, and discipleship, get them in church, invite them to church. It's good. You guys hanging? Two, two more minutes. This action step is crucial. Ask them if they believe in the good news that you just shared with them. Because the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Do you know that? The Bible says that. Read your Bible. If they're ready to confess that Jesus is Lord, then pray with them. There's not a magic prayer that sends people to Jesus. But prayer is a great way to start discipling them into their own relationship with Jesus. What did Darby say happened as she shared? She, she want, the, they, Darby prayed, and then she wanted to pray. Well, I'm going to pray too. That's great. You should do that. What did, even Kyle said it. I mean, I'm sure Principal Horton sounds like he's probably saved. But Kyle prays, and, and then Principal Horton says, well, I'm going to pray too. I love that. All right. Here's your action steps for this week. This week. I'm going to do them too. I don't just dish these things out. I, I can't. I can't do that. Like the Holy Spirit doesn't let you get away with coming up and saying, do this. And then I go home and go, oh, I hope they do it. I'm not going to do it. It's dumb. Action steps. This week, I want you to dedicate two minutes every day. Write it down if you have to. Set a reminder in your phone. I seriously want you to do this. Don't, it's not like this is challenge time where we start thinking about lunch. This is like what, where we take what God said and where we apply it in our lives. Okay? Everybody can do this. Take two minutes every day. The average person uses 136 minutes a day on social media. That's disgusting, by the way. That's another sermon. Uh, 136 minutes a day on social media, you can spare two to pray specifically. Uh, just add it to your prayer time, you know, just add it to your prayer time. But I want you to ask God to give you his heart for lost people and ask him to bring you someone who's ready to say yes to him. Now, if you sit in your house all week and don't go out, you're going to tempt God to bring somebody to your door, and it's going to catch you off guard. <laughs> so I suggest all looking for these people, not just waiting for him, because he will send them. <laughs> I've heard several stories. They're like, well, Lord, if you need some, then you'll just send them. Hello? <laughs> it's just somebody, trying to sell, somebody trying to sell insurance. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
I'm just kidding. You like that plug? That was, you're welcome. Yeah. I'll take my commission later. Number two, right? seriously, number two, expect to see the answer to your prayer. If you're asking God, God, I want you to bring me in contact with somebody that needs you this week, then get your eyes open for the person that needs him. And then when you encounter them, love on them by telling them about Jesus. Ask them if they're ready to say yes to Jesus, and then lead them to the Lord. Now this, you can do this, follow, this is where you follow the Holy Spirit. It could be, hi, hi, what's your name, Greg? Yeah, I'm Nate. Hey, I just need to tell you something, and then phew, gospel. Could be somebody you already know, that you have relational equity with. Start asking some questions. Hey, have we ever talked about Jesus? Hey, I mean, I don't want to change the subject, which you definitely want to change the subject. But you're like, you just get in and you have a conversation, and the God, or, hey, can I pray for you? I heard you had cancer. And then that leads to the gospel. Okay, that's, your act, that's number two. And number three is invite someone to, go to, church, to come to church who doesn't go to church. Don't go invite somebody that goes to Life Austin to come on over here. Okay? Life Austin's a good church, and they should stay there unless Holy Spirit says for them to come here. Personal invitation is one of the best ways to love on somebody through inviting and it's tough, man. I've invited, in, in the last three years, just personally, in the last three years, I've invited well over 100 people to River in the Hill, probably about 150 people personally. And then I've handed out, you know, cards and stuff like that. And I've only had a small number of people visit from those. So it's, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's just difficult. Does that mean that you shy away from it? No, I, I'm like challenge accepted. It was actually on my employee evaluation last year. What do, what do you, what do you want to do in this year? I'm like, I'm going to invite 10 people to church every week or something like that. I can't remember what I put or lead 10 people to the Lord this year. I can't remember what I put, but I was just like, this is ridiculous. More people need to be getting saved. The church needs to be growing. Do you know why the church needs to be growing? Because church growth is a result of new converts. If the church isn't growing, people aren't getting saved. And so I, I, I seriously, that's my heart. It's like, people are like, it's not about the numbers. I'm like, it's definitely about the numbers. I'm like, numbers represent people. And there's people that are on their way to hell that need not be. All right, I'm all done. I got one more uh, thing. If you guys, you can just, let's just pray. Worship team, you guys come up. Lord, thank you for the privilege of carrying this life-saving message. It's like, you, it's like there's people in anaphylactic shock around us, and we have the EpiPen. Lord, may we not hide it under a bushel so that they have to, to suffer and live with, with not being able to breathe clearly because they don't have access. Father, I thank you that you've given us actually what's needed. Who is needed? Jesus. Lord, it's hard out there. It's easy here on Sunday morning to be like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then you're met with somebody who just hates Jesus. Lord, help us to be more thick-skinned and compassionate way more fear of the Lord than fear of man. Teach us how to love people. Give us the words to say. Help us to follow these steps of pray, love, and do.
Lord, in these steps in the do of, of just befriending and asking questions and inviting and just loving, just being involved, to get out of our shells and get away from our phones and just look at people in the eye. These are creation. These are your kids. To look at them, to give them the news, the, the, life-saving, the life-saving and powerful gospel, and then to lead them to Jesus, to win their souls. We know you save. Thank you that the pressure's off. It's not up to us whether they get saved or not. But we do have what they need, and that's you. So, Lord, we love you this morning. I ask for courage for myself and for everyone in this room to actually take these action steps and do this this week with somebody new or maybe somebody, somebody that we've, maybe somebody we've ministered to a hundred times. We're going to pray and we're going to go at it with a fresh courage and a fresh motivation of love. That's not a task. It's not, I'm going to beat this person and get them to say yes to Jesus. I want to love them right by telling them the truth. And if it offends them and I did it in love, I'm good. I loved them right. I'm going to keep praying for them. Father, I, I just proclaim out loud that no one is too far gone. There is no one too far gone. There is no one that we will come in contact with that we should walk away from and go, eh, God probably doesn't want them saved. If there's any of that false grace teaching that's lurking in our minds, I just pray to, that you just blow it up, God. Blow it up. The loving and gracious Father who sacrificed his own Son, who desires that no one perishes, but who is so sovereign that he's actually given us a choice to say yes or don't. And God, I pray that more people this week would say yes to Jesus in the Lake Travis region than ever before. Lord, that there would be an influx of salvations because of the influx of sharing the gospel. Father, I pray for more courage like Darby to do this in places where we're going to get ostracized or even our jobs threatened, that you'd give us wisdom on how to do it. That we wouldn't shut you out and go, well, I work here so I can't do it. Ooh, God doesn't like, actually God loves the word can't because he loves to show off. Father, I pray that you show off and that, you, that we would believe and act like we believe that nothing is impossible with you. Thank you that you're good all the time, Lord. We love you, Jesus.